get on my dick, get on my dick, put in my hip, load in my clip, cannabis, cannabis, roll in my spiff, Hannibal, Hannibal, look what I did, edible, edible, got the bungees, but I got the bungees, I'ma jump with this shit, but I better get whipped with the pistol clip, nigga talking this shit, I'm talking my shit. Legend out the two six, y'all know who the truth is, crazy like a movie by that nigga Stanley Kubrick, perfect time to pop up, wet you like a hot tub, clean up aisle seven, damn somebody getting mopped up, pull up on the block, any meaning money more, you and every nigga that you know is getting pop, fuck up with a nigga ain't sitting in the box, try to sneak this and I'm picking up the glass, I squeeze this and be picking up the top, stop she kiss, she ain't picking all the locks, picking on nigga way bigger than I got, bigger than a nigga that was killing, got a cop, terminated shit, I'm a robot, with the chrome phone fired, most don't got, one false move, get your moto shot, turn a nigga whip to a photo op, click, 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 and the flows don't stop till I got more cream than coast don't got, like a boatload nigga, I'ma float on top, till the grass don't grow, when the wind don't blow, when the popo don't kill niggas no more, I bought a What's up, what's up, what's good with it, everybody? We back again for another episode, and I, I gotta start this episode off by, I mean, simply saying, how about them Cowboys? Y'all know what time it is with me. Sam, what's good with you, man? What's good with the world? And yes. uh, I just want to start this episode by saying, last next week will be the last game for the Cowboys. <laughs> well, hey, I guess uh, I guess podcasting isn't his only skill. I guess he's a joke teller as well. But um, yeah, man. Before we get into it, how was your holidays? You have a good holiday? Yeah, it was nice. I had a good one. How about you? Yeah, man, it was cool on my end too. Always good when you ain't got to work and whatnot. So I definitely enjoyed that. But um, let's go ahead and jump right into our first topic of the week. We'll start out with NBA this week, and we'll start out with our blind resume that we had this week. Now, this is actually something that we had uh, dating all the way back until the, from the twenty third. The twenty third of December was when we actually did this one. So. It gave our viewers a nice amount of time, or our listeners a nice amount of time to pick who they wanted. Now, this one, this was a really good one. Me and you talked about these two players, and you was like, yep, that's the one right there. As soon as you said that name, I'm like, yep, there it is. So, just to dive straight into a resume one, we actually, um, I'll go ahead and give the, the results first. Resume one, won this by a landslide. It wasn't even close. Uh, I believe the final count was 94% to resume one and 6% to resume two. That, yeah, that that's how, how lopsided it was. But resume one, 18.3 points per game, 11.3 rebounds per game, 0.5 blocks per game, 44% from the field, also a one-time NBA champion, five-time NBA All-Star, two-time All-NBA second team, one-time rebounding leader. Now, resume two, 14.6 points per game, 8.4 rebounds per game, 1.2 blocks per game, 49% from the field, six-time NBA All-Star, three-time All-NBA second team. Now, Sam, resume one is who? Kevin Love. Kevin Love. Resume two is who? Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp. Now, do you think if these names were out here, no stats, no accolades listed, just the two names, do you think it would have came out the same way? Not at all. Not even close. I happen to think that it would be the complete opposite. Like, it would be much more of a landslide toward Sean Kemp. Now, that right there... That tells you just how how blinded people are by names as far as uh, accolades and statistics are concerned. Because let's be honest, prior to 
Kevin Love coming to um, Cleveland, everybody loved Kevin Love. Kevin Love was this. Kevin Love was that. But soon as he got to Cleveland and started playing with LeBron and changed up his game and this, this, and that, that it's like people tend they they tended to forget who Kevin Love was. So I, I definitely think that if they would have would have had just the names there, I think it would have went Sean Kemp's way most definitely. Yeah, I think I think majority of it too is not just the names. I just think that a lot of people tend to favor the guys from the earlier era. Mm-hmm. Like you give them a little bit more. Um, more respect just because time has passed and I don't know because I personally even with the names I personally would probably take Kevin Love I would too Sean Kemp Sean Kemp people think that he's like this legend and all this but really what he was was just a high flyer exactly he He was an exciting player yeah, he wasn't a great bat. I mean I can't say he wasn't great because he was in the NBA but you know what I mean he's not an NBA great He's a good player that we remember because he was a dunker. He was Blake he, Griffin. Yeah, if he was another guy who who what he what what was his career numbers? Fourteen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if he was another guy who averaged fourteen points a game but didn't dunk a lot, we never would even remember this guy really, or we would remember him faintly. That's a fact. That's a we fact. We wouldn't revere him. Sean Kemp. He time has done him justice. Yeah, I agree 100%. I, I definitely agree with that. I don't believe that Sean Kemp is a better basketball player than Kevin Love by no means. But now our listeners will actually have to take a step back and and think about, dang, yeah, do I really who- is better than Sean Kemp? And another thing I think people is doing is they're just looking at the resumes and saying, okay, well, he got more points, more boards. I'm taking this one. Right, but really, you you got to look at the accolades and everything, and, and weigh it all. You got to weigh the the resume in its totality. Mm-hmm. And you can't just look at a couple things and be like, "Oh, more points, more rebounds than this big man," so I'm taking him. Exactly, that's a fact, and I feel like that's what most people are doing. A lot of people are either trying to do that, or they're trying to figure out who the players are. And once they figure out one player, they go in that direction. Like, oh, I know who that is, so that's who I'm picking. Or I know who that is, so I'm not picking him. And that's not really the uh, the point for this. The point is for you to look at what we post and think about it from a basketball standpoint. Or football, for that matter, because our next one coming up will most likely be football. So I don't want people to get too caught up in trying to figure out who the guys are. Pay attention to the resumes and then cast your vote that way. So, um, yeah, man, that was our blind resume for this past week or weeks, should I say, with Kevin Love winning it by a landslide. So um, let's let's talk about current NBA now. We've talked about the past, but let's talk about current NBA. And if anybody's been paying attention to the NBA here lately, all you've been seeing is James Harden, James Harden this, James Harden that. Um, I've been seeing this title thrown around a lot within the last couple of years. But this year, I've seen it thrown around far more than I have in too previous years. Yeah, way, way too seeing it, Seeing it one time is too much for me. <laughs> so I'll just ask you, well, now you pretty much already answered it, but just to give our listeners a little reason as to why you feel this way. Is James Harden the greatest scorer of all time? Hell no. Freak no. <laughs> no. 
no, 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 no. Like, seriously, the best of all time? No. Granted, James Harden is a great scorer. He's probably definitely top 10 of mm-hmm. all time scoring the basketball. But seriously, best scorer of all time? Do, do people not – didn't Jordan win nine scoring titles? Yep. Come on, dude. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, dude. See, nine scoring titles, man. I've and been that guy that a lot of people, even last year, like when James Harden was having his breakout year, everybody was saying, oh, James Harden's the greatest ISO defender of all or ISO offensive player of all time. I heard that thrown around, and my rebuttal to that was, he might not even be the greatest ISO scorer in the NBA right now. Like, yeah. I mean, you got guys like Kyrie that if you line him up and tell him to go get a bucket, he's going to get that bucket. You got a guy like Kevin Durant, who is a matchup nightmare. So it doesn't matter who you put on him. You just got to hope he misses the shot. And I just I don't know. I mean, I don't want to take anything from James Harden because there, for some strange reason. There are a lot of James Harden stands this year. And if you say one thing about James Harden, oh, you a hater. You a James Harden hater. Nobody hates that man, but you have to look at it from a clear eye view. You can't be clouded by what's going on just right now. Right now. Like, Prisoners you, are the most. Exactly. You cannot be that. And I still believe, yes, James Harden's a great scorer, but I think Kevin Durant has far more of a – of a, a chance of being the greatest scorer of all time than James Harden does. Yeah, that's not – there's nobody that's going to pass Mike. But the people who are in that conversation, man, they all averaging over 26 points per game. Exactly. For their, for their career. Not, not for a season or two, like for a career. These guys hit the ground running and scoring the basketball. Right. Like your your Iversons, your Durants, your Jordans, your mm-hmm. Kobe's. Like these guys score the basketball from day one. Point and their 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 career points per game is going to reflect that. I haven't looked at James Harden's, but I'm going to venture to say he's probably more around 24, 25 points per game for his Yeah, career. I mean, you gotta think of how he started out when he came into the league. He wasn't the focal point of the offense in OKC. So he had a solid average because he was the focal point as the sixth man, but he was not the the leading scorer on that team by no stretch. Like you're like you said, we're talking about guys who soon as they got that opportunity or soon as they stepped into the NBA, they hit the ground running. Like you said, it just, I mean, simple as that. You even look at guys like Carmelo Anthony, like exactly. He's on that list. Exactly. Melo is a phenomenal scorer, And that's another prisoner of the moment situation. People are thinking about Carmelo of now and are not thinking about what Carmelo has done over his career. Like he's on that list. He's definitely one of the better scorers in NBA history, but yeah, to me, I just don't – I can't see – I can't see a case for James Harden just yet. This is – most of this stuff is coming from the same people that last year or the year before last were talking about Russell Westbrook, the best player in the NBA. Now you – fast forward two years later, and now Russell Westbrook is arguably not even in the conversation. Like, it's – I mean – Hey man, it's people like, just gotta. We gotta quit comparing everything all the time. Yes, like, yeah, enjoy fun. the greatness. It's fun to compare stuff here and there, but every time something happens, we're talking about, oh, is he the best scorer of all time? It's gotten or, too is he common, the best man. Big ever, like it, it's just like 
and it gets to the point that where you can't you can't big up one of these guys without tearing down another one, and and then next thing you know, you finding yourself always belittling somebody who just exactly like, appreciate. Like we got to quit doing it all the time, man. It's not it's not good for the game. I don't feel like. Yeah, it's taken away from the greatness because. To me, I would consider myself a James Harden fan. I've been a James Harden fan for years, like dating back to OKC to the years after he left for OKC. I'm vo- I was voting for him to make the All Star game before he had even made an All Star. Like that's just I always like James Harden, but now it's getting to the point where I'm like, all right, man, y'all start people saying real disrespectful stuff. toward like, greats. One on one to eleven, who you got? Oh James Harden or Michael Jordan? Yeah, like, when I saw that man. post, I was like, "All right, now that was the last straw for me." I let a lot slide, but yeah, man, you get a one on one game with Michael Jordan and James Harden. When, like I said on the post, when Michael Jordan touches the ball, the game's over. Period. <laughs> Simple as that. James Harden is not getting one stop on Michael Jordan. So if Michael Jordan gets the ball first, game over. If Michael, if Michael Jordan doesn't get the game for get the ball first, James Harden's not cooking Michael Jordan for more than two points straight. Yeah, he's not going to dribble Mike to sleep with them with all that dribbles either. Fact. He's not going to sleep. Fact. So he's going to have to really cross Mike. It's guys in the NBA right now that I'm not taking James Harden over one on one. That was just blast for me. I, I, I can't. You see, I posted it. I didn't even comment on it. Yeah. I, didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care what everybody had to say or nothing. I just had to let people know that this is how disrespectful these James Harden people are getting. Right, right. So let's let's jump into the next topic so that people don't think that we're actually tearing James Harden down. Make no mistake about it. He's having a phenomenal year this year, like a, a great year so far. There's still a lot of basketball to be played. So that Three leads me – Right. So that leads me to ask you this. Does he have too large of a lead for him to be caught? Because that seems to be what everybody on – social media or any any sports network that's talking about it is making it seem like James Harden is so far ahead of the pack. What's your take on the MVP race? I think that there are about four to five guys right now in the league playing at an MVP level. Agreed. James Harden's had the James Harden's at the front right now, but we've already crowned four or five people MVP this season and it's freaking January. <laughs> right. Like, come on, man. It's time for people to stop hollering MVP every time somebody have a couple good games in a row. These these are the best players in the world. A lot of these guys are going to have multiple 50-point nights and all that type of stuff. Every time somebody go for 50 and hit a game winner, they're not the new MVP. Right. Like, it, it's just it, – the prisoners on the moment. I, I feel like social media is the reason why we're seeing this all of a sudden. Like, everybody's in touch with what everybody's doing every night. So, now mm-hmm. – Every time somebody balled out, oh, he might be MVP now. He be running away with it. Like even the year, the, the year Kobe had them, uh, the the nine straight forty point games. Mm-hmm. He ain't win MVP. Sure didn't. And you didn't hear everybody screaming MVP throughout the year. It was so, more of once he didn't get the MVP, you sir, saw people saying, oh, he got robbed and this isn't that that. But <clears throat> even with that, like you said, you didn't hear that throughout the year. So for everybody who thinks that because of what James Harden just did, he's the MVP, that's not the case. We've seen it happen before. Now, I'm not going to sit here and act like James Harden is not balling and doing some things that is just absolutely absurd because he is. There are going to be other guys that are balling and there are going to be other guys who are going to have eight, nine, ten game stretches, maybe not 
all the way to this magnitude, but they're going to be great stretches. And there's three months of basketball to be played. There, you can't crown them MVP in January. That's I a fact. Who, I wonder who was leading the MVP race at this point last season. That's a great question. And even with that being said, I well, it was probably LeBron, if we want to be honest, with the season that he was having out there in Cleveland because it was a neck-and-neck race, and you saw he didn't win. But even with all of this speculation that's going on, on the NBA website, they actually have an MVP race that that actually shows it it updates every every week. James Harden just now took the lead on that poll. Giannis had been leading that poll for the last I want to say month or two. So that just goes to show that it's not it's not won by no means. There that that game that that race is closer than people think that it is and like you said four or five guys in the NBA right now have a legitimate case from being MVP and some of those guys that I have James Harden Anthony Davis Kawhi Paul George and Steph Yep, and then when Brian come back he gonna be on that pace too exactly and you spoke up about Steph a little bit today you said that he hasn't quite made the uh he can't make the cut yet because he hasn't played enough games right was that what you said yeah you got because he's been hurt you got to play a certain percentage of your team's games to qualify for the mvp race and since he missed those seven eight games he hasn't met the uh criteria yet so that's yeah. why that's on the list but what was his stats yeah what was his stats looking like i saw you post them uh earlier He's averaging 29.7 on, <laughs> on 54% from the field and 45% from three. That's nasty. Like, yeah, see, I mean, like you said, once he actually becomes eligible for that, I'm pretty sure that whole thing is going to take a shift. Because let's be honest, man, James Harden is really out there by himself. He's going to hit a wall for his, a couple of what's games. What's going to kill him, I know he's a volume shooter and all, but what's going to kill him is he's 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 not shooting it great this year. He's shooting like, I think he's 48 from the field, 38 from three. Yes. So, I mean, when, when it comes down to it, he he's getting way more opportunities and his field goal percentages is showing that, that he's taking more shots than what he really should be. He's playing, playing out there by himself. I mean, you could tell you if you look at his field goal attempts and shit, and his and his field goal percentage, you could tell that he's he's shooting a couple more shots than he normally would, and and it's taking a hit on his percentages. Yes, I agree a hundred percent. So, yeah, man, that as far as the MVP race is concerned, like Sam said, let's not crown an MVP in January. We we still got a lot of basketball to be played, man. And some people haven't even play their best level of basketball yet and i mean hey it is what it is so let's um let's move forward a little bit let's i want to talk college basketball for a quick second there's not much to talk about but i do want to touch on what happened this past weekend we had some um some surprising finishes in some games we had kansas got smacked nevada got smacked and George, or not Georgia, Virginia put it on Florida State. Florida State, who was number nine at the time. Now, Kansas lost to Iowa State. Nevada lost to San Diego, I believe it was. And, yeah, like I said, Virginia put it on number nine, Florida State. So out of those 
three interesting finishes. Which game do you think was most telling as far as what we'll see moving forward out of these three ball clubs? Mm. I know it's pretty tough for me. I actually had a tie. I was tied with uh, Kansas and Virginia. I wasn't too too uh, caught off guard by that Nevada game. I don't think that that's going to be uh, some a reoccurring thing with uh, yeah. Nevada. I'm leaning towards I don't think there's anything to take from any of the three games at all. See, I can understand that, but I was looking at it more from a standpoint as this may be the year that somebody can finally dethrone Kansas because no. you see can't listen, you see Kansas getting beat in conference play. But when's the last time you seen a Kansas team get beat that badly, bro? But it's different though because for one it's a Saturday game, a conference game, you ranked real high. It's those those Saturday games are tough. I agree, especially when you play in this underdog. Iowa State has a good team. They play great. They've got a great program. Yeah, and, and they play great at home. So do you add that on top of everything else I just said? Then you throw in that Kansas got a bunch of freshmen like they normally don't have. Like it, I, I don't think there's much to take from this Kansas team. I've seen them play multiple times. I See, think uh, I think this is one of the best Kansas teams in the last probably maybe five years or so at least. Yes, I will agree with that. This is one of the best Kansas teams that we've seen in a while. But I was actually going to allude to exactly what you pointed to, which was that youth. This is the youngest Kansas team we've seen in a while. So it's not that they're not more talented than these teams. They just may run into some teams in the Big 12 that are fed up. Some teams that are senior-laden, and they'll see these guys – and be like, man, fuck this. They've been they didn't beat us for the last they didn't beat us our entire college career. This is our year. All of these young bucks, they don't know how to close the close games out or win these games as far as winning in conference play. They've never seen what it's like. We know what it it's will, like. We're gonna it hit them in the like mouth them. and we're gonna win this conference. They'll grow up. It's not gonna take long. Their point guard is a killer. I love him. Yes. Dawson, yes. I love his game yes. so much. I, I love watching him play. I and don't know, man. I love Texas Tech out of that Big 12, man. I got I, Kansas, man. That, that Kansas team is just – they're too deep. They are. has been struggling. That's hurting them. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they'll be fine. Kansas will be fine. I also believe Nevada will be fine. And Virginia, that's not a surprise out of them. We know who they are, especially in the regular season. We know what we're going to get out of them. So I really wasn't surprised about any of the – well, not, not – I'm not going to say I wasn't surprised. I didn't have any – I'm not going to take anything from these games as far as um, the long – the bigger picture. Yeah, I, I don't think any of these games will be <clears throat> necessarily like, uh, I guess, a sign of things to come as far as getting beat badly. But I do think that some of these teams will have hiccups. Like, I do believe Kansas will have a couple of more hiccups in conference play. No, yeah, I agree with that. Nevada, I don't believe so. I think they'll be fine. Virginia, I feel like this was a, a, a eye-opener of some sorts. Excuse me, because Virginia's always been a good defensive team, so they're going to hold you under your average. But for them to have that large of a margin to me was eye-opening because Florida State is typically a team that can fill it up a little bit. Granted, they're pretty young, so you're looking at a a Virginia team that's obviously well-coached every year, obviously dominates throughout the regular season for the most part, and 
Yeah, I think that that game was a little more, uh, I guess, a little more of the opposite of what we're talking about. I think that was the game that was probably most likely not to happen anymore throughout uh, conference play. I can't see them beating teams that badly um, see, you gotta throughout have, conference you gotta play. A, you got to have a lot of shooting to beat Virginia. Yeah. I haven't seen Florida State play, but if they're built like anything like a normal Florida State team, I would imagine they don't have very much of that. Mm-hmm. They usually have a bunch of scorers and guys that can hit three-point shots, but they don't never really have Knockdown shooters. shooters, yeah. I agree. I agree 100%, but that's pretty much it for college basketball. It wasn't much to touch on now, but now we can touch on my favorite topic of the day, which is NFL. Not necessarily my favorite topic. I guess my favorite category is NFL. And we've uh, we've had some interesting games in the first round of the playoffs. And I will say that I'll say all of the games, all of the games except for one game was um, exciting. And that game is actually the one game that wasn't exciting is actually going to be my answer for this uh, particular question, which is who were you most impressed with in round one of the playoffs? Are we talking about teams or like individuals? You can go either route. Well, the individual that I was impressed with was Dak Prescott. I'm not even going to lie. He just showed me that he just had a little bit of like it factor in him. Yeah. That I never would have thought I would be giving him credit for having. But you know, you know me, I'm not a guy who sits and watches whole NFL games. Yeah. But I've been very excited about the playoffs all year because it's going I feel like the, the playoffs, anybody literally in the playoffs, I feel like could really win the championship. Mm-hmm. So I I actually watched every game this week. And I was real impressed with Dak, especially just the couple winning plays that he made down the stretch. I felt like was something I never if I if I didn't sit down and watch them games, I never would be giving him credit for. Yeah, I agree too. Was you about to say something else? I was just about to go ahead and say the team that I was uh, impressed with. So if you got something to say about Dak, you can go ahead. Yeah, the thing about Dak is with me being a Cowboy fan, obviously um people are gonna I didn't want to use Dak as my guy because obviously people can be like, oh, you biased, this, this, and that, that. But I was impressed with Dak too, but not even so much as him having that it factor or doing what he did down the stretch because with me being a Cowboy fan, if you've actually sat down and watched close Cowboy games down the stretch, you've seen that Dak Prescott has that winning mentality. I don't know what it is. That could be having a terrible game, a terrible game. But if the game is close and he has an opportunity to go down and score a touchdown for a game-winning touchdown or a touchdown right before the half, that's who Dak Dak Prescott is. I want to say his rookie year, I believe it was, his rookie year, he led the league in comeback victories, if I'm not mistaken, or game-winning drives. That's what it was, game-winning drives. He led the league in those. So he was – I mean, he's he's got that in him. He's super talented in that aspect. It's just the thing with Dak is he's got to be more consistent. Like the Dak that we saw this week, we ah, in order for Dallas to be successful, we're going to have to see him again. But the chances of us seeing that, are slim to none, and I'm a Cowboy fan, and that's coming from a diehard. But I wouldn't be surprised to 
you know, see him take a step back next week. But um yeah, he was he was he was my one too. I guess I can go ahead and, and use him, but um outside of him, I I wanna say uh Trubisky. Yeah, hey. Trubisky looked real good today too. Hey I, I man, he they lost but. exactly. Even in a losing effort, he made some plays that was really like, whoa, like yeah, <laughs> that's their future right there. Like I was even one of the people that was iffy about him when he came in the league. Like I don't know if I believe in Trubisky, but he's showing signs of having it. Granted, we saw a guy in Blake Bortles last year who no, but the th- the difference between him and Blake Bortles is that. Trubisky is showing steady signs of improvement. That's true. That is He's true. He's getting better. Like, we saw Blake Bortles come out of nowhere in the playoffs, but we didn't really see, like, gradual improvement in his mm-hmm. game. Like, Trubisky's gradually getting better. Right, and the, the difference between those two is, it's like uh, Blake Bortles didn't really have – he didn't have to be the guy that Trubisky is being. He had Fournette right. and them guys to turn around and hand the ball off to. They just needed him to make plays here and there. This Bears offense is relying on Trubisky to actually thrive. Like, if if he's not successful, they're not successful. Simple as that. And he was impressive to me today, man, even in a, in a losing effort. But um, who was your, your team that you was most impressed with? The Colts. Hey, that was my team, too. That's exactly who I had. What was your reasoning for picking the Colts? To be honest, I really – which I was going to go with him as a player as well because I feel like it really kind of boils down to Andrew Luck. I feel like he playing like he got something to prove. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. But my biggest takeaway from the Colts wasn't Andrew Luck because I almost expected it from him. But the thing that makes Andrew Luck – so much more dangerous is when he has a run game and Marlon Mack is looking like that guy. Yeah, he's been balling lately. I uh I actually posted as the game was going on, like I think it was after maybe the first couple drives and I posted, yeah, I like Marlon Mack. Like I like that guy a lot. And I've seen I've seen the steady improvement from him. It's almost like they'll have downs where they're just handing the ball off to him just to try to get you know, just to try to keep the defense balanced. But he ends up turning those plays, those plays that they're expecting to be two or three yard gangs into 10 yard, 15 yard runs. Like he's making these runs look like, yeah, they're giving me the ball because I'm that dangerous, which we know that their offense is thriving around Andrew Luck. But it's also a plus seeing as, you have somebody that you can turn the ball, turn around and hand the ball off to. That now the defense has the key on because if not, we saw last week or last game on Saturday, like what he's capable of doing. He can actually dominate a game if he really needs to. Great thing about it is he doesn't have to because he's got Andrew Luck. So, yeah, the, the Colts were definitely my team as well. Um. Let's see. I guess since you picked the Colts, I want to try to pick somebody else just so we don't have the same answer. Um, I mean, the Cowboys would be the only other answer, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, I will say Dallas, but also Philly. Philly as well, mostly because. Philly should have lost. They should have. They definitely should have lost. I feel like the Bears look just as impressive to me as Philly did. Philly I don't. Did. See, that's – I don't. Great. I think Philly. that 
I think that the Bears didn't look as good as they were supposed to. There were a lot of key drives or a lot of key plays where I felt like their defense was supposed to show we are the best defense in the league, and they did it. They did it at times, but there were a lot of other times where I felt like, oh, yeah, they're about to get a stop right here, and they didn't. It just didn't happen. So I felt like they took a step back from that aspect, and I'm mostly impressed from Philly or by Philly from the standpoint of, we didn't see no Khalil Mack sightings. This was the first time yeah. throughout the year that we have not heard Khalil, Khalil Mack's name really be called. And the most uh, impressive thing to me, as far as Philly is concerned, was that they did that solo. Like most teams that play against uh, the Bears, whatever side Khalil Mack is on, they either line up a tight end on that side or they line up their tailback on that side and they chippy. Philly didn't chip him. Jason Peters went head up with him all game. And we didn't see not one Khalil Mack set. So it it was funny that you said that because right when you said that the Bears defense didn't get as many stops as they should, I was sitting here thinking like, did I hear Khalil's Mack's name? Exactly. That's nah, exactly. That's what was most impressive. It wasn't so much as their play. It was the fact that they were able to keep that defense neutral. Like they didn't necessarily look like oh, these guys can go on to win the championship again. I definitely don't think that. I think next week will be their last game. But I was impressed with what they were able to do as far as neutralizing that Bears defense that just – we, as we all know, they have the, the, the uh, tools to control an entire game. They can win a game by themselves with just their defense. And they, <laughs> they were on pace to do it today, but, hey, it just didn't happen. So, yeah, that, that would be my other team. But – um. Let's see. Let's let's talk about the teams that are actually playing next week since the Bears won't be. Who do you think has the biggest chance to upset a top seed next round out of the, the lower seeds that are left? Out of Philly, the Chargers, the Cowboys, which I know you're definitely not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, who do you think has the biggest chance to upset a team? Or the Colts. That was the other team I left off. I actually have the Colts with the biggest chance. I think I think the Colts really have a legit shot to go into Arrowhead and get the dub. You heard it here first. Hey, that that's not outlandish. I don't believe from a a, a true football fan. I think I believe that they actually have an opportunity to do it as well. Um, obviously, my team. I mean, come on now. You know what time it is, the boys. I think the boys. I'm not pulling no upset. Let's move past. Listen, that. Not... nah, nah. <laughs> We're not moving past nothing. I got the I got the boys for for this reason. For one, I feel like they they drew a better matchup than having to see the Saints again because I feel like if they would have saw the Saints for a second time, the Saint the Saints have a lot to prepare off of. They can watch exactly what the Cowboys did when they played in the regular season and let's scheme a different way because the Cowboys aren't going to change who they are, especially if they know that's the way to beat us. So now you can come out and do more as a coach. Now I feel like the Saints are kind of like, we got Philly, like we played them, but this is a different Philly team now that they got Nick Foles and their defense is starting to show signs of being good enough. But as far as the Cowboys are concerned, I think that this is a a better matchup for them for the simple fact that 
Jared Goff isn't as scary as uh, Drew Brees. And we've already touched on the fact that the Rams are a different football team without Cooper Cup. So I don't I don't think that it'll be like the Cowboys by a landslide. I think it'll come down to like maybe like a game winning drive or something like that. But I do give the Cowboys a a chance, a larger chance at, than any of the other teams and beating a higher seed. Because that, that Rams offense, let's be honest, it hasn't been what we've seen it to be in the last what, four or five weeks, or three or four, I won't say four or five, three or four weeks. It's been a long time since we've seen a Rams sighting. Granted, they just had an entire week of rest, and actually a couple, because Gurley hasn't played the last two weeks as far as regular season, and he rested last week or this week. So, yeah, we're definitely going to see a well-rested team but I'm I'm excited to see. I think that the Cowboys have the best chance of doing it. I do. I don't I don't want to say the Colts. I think that they do have a good chance, but excuse me, you used the Colts, so I didn't want to use them. And I think the Eagles, I don't think that they'll they'll have much of a shot. But I my other team is really the Chargers. I like the Chargers a lot, man. That defense is something else. Yeah, but the Patriots, they're 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 great at home. They're absolutely horrible on the road. Yeah, yeah. But it's just unfortunate that they have to go to Foxborough. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's the the biggest drawback to it. But the better drawback to it would be that they are going up against another offensive line, as they did this week, who isn't – they're not the best offensive line as far as protecting the quarterback. And when you got a guy like Melvin Ingram who controlled the game, and when he didn't, you saw the guy on the other side, which was Joey Bosa. Shout out to the Bucks. I mean, this their defense is good. They're a good defense. Granted, they're not playing Lamar Jackson next week. They're playing touchdown Tom. So they're going to have to be the best that they've been all year if they want to beat them. We'll have to see rookie Derwin James be, be – he's going to have to go out and show us that he's rookie of the year next week. Simple as that. But, yeah, I think they've got a, a somewhat of a good chance. But, as I said, I think the Cowboys have a better chance than they do. But um, let's let's stay on this game a little bit. We, we talking about the uh, – we just talked about Lamar or brought up Lamar. And biggest question that I have is, you think the Ravens should have benched Lamar and went to Flacco? Because I saw a lot of people posting about that. Do you think that they should have went to Flacco? I was leaning towards that at halftime. I was like, shit. I mean, if I'm a coach, I'm not worried about nobody's confidence or nothing at that point because. We got to win. It's win or go home. I got a job to keep. That too. So, I mean, but they came back and actually had a chance. And he fumbled the ball again. So, I mean. As a coach, I probably would be sitting there like, you got a veteran. Yeah, he was struggling, but he's been in these situations before. Like, I think they went to Lamar Jackson too early, and that's where the problem came in. I don't think the problem started today. I think the problem started when Flacco came back and you didn't give Flacco the team. See, I don't 
because I've been saying it since Lamar got drafted. I said week three Lamar was going to be the starting quarterback, and it was a little right, right. It was a little later than that, but I won't even. But I won't even go along the lines of saying he wasn't ready because I don't think I think if you throw him in there next year, you go through the same growing pains. I feel like Lamar's problem isn't that he's got more. He's got to sit back and learn. I think he's a guy that you've got to put in like they did, put him in these situations. So now he knows for future reference, okay, this is what I got to get better at. Because, I mean, let's be honest, Lamar's major problem is ball security. And that's not something. That's not the only. That, he's, got, he's got three major problems. I, would, I wouldn't say anything's been more, oh. more eye-opening than that. Nothing's been more eye opening than his ball security. But the, the throws? He, he can't throw. He can throw. He's not as accurate oh as you want God. him to be right now. Bro, I, I like Lamar Jackson, but that guy cannot throw. <laughs> he, and he can't read defenses either. Those are three glaring weaknesses for a quarterback. He's not ready. I think Lamar can be and will be a good quarterback in the NFL, but he is not ready. He is not ready. So, do you honestly believe him sitting the bench is going to help him read defenses more or read them better? Should I say? I mean, not sitting the bench per se, but just watching film and chilling. Why are you going? I mean, I think they it's the chance. they're in the playoffs. It'd be different if they was just like chilling, like the Giants or something. But like, do you really want to risk growing pains in the playoffs? Yeah, because I don't think throwing Flacco in there gives you much of a better chance to win this ball game. I don't. don't fumble three times. That, but you have to look at those fumbles. Four you have times. to look at those fumbles. I'll say one of those fumbles was truly Lamar's fault. The other ones, they came from that offensive line not protecting him, and he was. But bro, even just because you get blindsided, don't mean you get a pass to fumble the football. That's true. I'm not. I'm not excusing it at all. But with my. What I'm saying is you've got a guy like Lamar who's far more athletic back there. So if they do send a blitz, you got a better chance of him beating the blitz than a Joe Flacco. Because if they throw that same pass rush at Joe Flacco, what's he going to do? He's going to get rid of the ball and try to throw it and throw an interception like he's done in the past. He's but, no better in this situation than a Lamar is. Playing against a defense that, like the Chargers, Joe Flacco would not have been better than, than Lamar that, Jackson. I'm gonna say this. To that, I'm going to say this. You know for a fact that Joe Flacco is going to see at least 45, 50% of those blitzes coming and get you in the right play. Negative. Man. Bro, we're talking about Joe. Have you watched Joe Flacco the last two years? I'm not sitting here saying he the greatest or nothing like that, but I feel like he gives you a tad bit better chance. Nah, nah. He don't make make the same mistakes in this playoff game that Lamar did. I don't think you got a a chance. I don't think you have a chance with a Joe Flacco back there at quarterback. I really don't. I disagree because this is a guy that won a Super Bowl, so he might just feel like you can't go off that, though, bro. You cannot go off that. He won a Super Bowl, and we haven't seen that signing in since then. It's not about us. He can though. He could be. He he might feel way more confident in a playoff game just because he'd be like, "Shit, I did it before." Well, don't you think he would have felt confident throughout the season then? Because they was looking to turn to Lamar before the injury, because he wasn't showing up. I'm just saying you man, they he go might out have a little clutch gene that they, that that exists to him that that we ain't get to see. I I'm not oh, buying no. it. They, I said all year, even before all this, I was on record on one of the earlier episodes and we talked about Lamar saying he is not ready. Yeah, I remember you saying that. But look you gotta look at it from a standpoint of 
All right, so the Ravens go out. Not only do they draft this guy, they trade up to draft this guy in Lamar Jackson. So now heading into training camp, you're like, okay, I got a guy behind me now. I, that's going to set some fire. That's the reason why they went out and traded up to get Lamar and gave the reins to Flacco to start the season. Like, all right, we got a guy behind you now, so we need you to go out here and show us what you're capable of. We know we've seen it. Show us that you still got it. And we haven't seen it. We have, Bro, we haven't seen it for two years. Joe Flacco has looked have, like bro. a cold bum for the last two years. I'm not I'm throwing him out there. I'm not throwing him out there in this play, in this playoff game. I'm not. I don't think you have any better of a chance with him. Oh, I mean, bro. you can obviously you can say, well, yeah, we've seen him do it. So I mean, obviously, there's an opportunity of us possibly seeing. Does he that miss that old Joe Flacco in this? Yes, bro. I don't yes, see him doing this, bro. bro. Not only know. does he miss open guys, he forces the ball. That's what pisses me off the most about Joe Flacco. You get some heat on Joe Flacco, he's going to give you the ball. He's going to give you the ball. The film does not lie. There's a reason why they did not. Okay, he's healthy. Let's turn the offense back over to him. We got a shot at making the playoffs. Let's see if we can make one little run with our quarterback. The reason was because Lamar was winning. Exactly. Doing what Flacco was not. But the the part about those wins was you so blinded by the W, you're not seeing that he was turning the fucking football over through all those dubs. Yeah, so, but he was also giving you crucial plays to put you in position to win. So it's like you have that negative, but you also have the positive as opposed to a guy like Joe Flacco who has all negative. He He's been turning this. the chicken over too. He foreshadowed this game all year, and they was so they was too blinded by the W's to see it. I don't think so. I think that coming into this game, I didn't have the Ravens winning. I've, I had the Chargers winning. I had the Chargers winning more decidedly than they won by today. For the simple fact that I knew as well, Lamar's not ready, but I mean he's gonna have to go through this. You're gonna have to he's gonna have to play in a playoff game to see what this is all about. Now moving forward, it's like, okay, I done been out here, I done played some heavy pass rushes. Now I know I gotta be more accurate on these short passes, or I gotta get the ball out quicker, or I can't hold it, or I can't play around with the ball because now they swing your hands everywhere. Now you're learning. You throw a guy like this in there, now you move on next season. And this is a guy who knows what it's like to but be in see, the playoffs now. I feel all of that. I get all of that. And I agree with all of that. But I'm saying that I don't feel like look, this was Lamar Jackson's year. I don't feel like this. I, I don't think he should have been in once Flacco came back. I just don't. I, I don't feel like this should have been his year. I we're going to see how it. he bounced back because we, we're we're assuming that he's going to learn from it and, and, and do all of these things. But, I mean, we <laughs> – I don't want to. I don't listen. I don't want to make it. Ryan Leaf, have you ever seen? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I've seen. Do all them picks, and he was not the same guy. I don't. I'm not saying he's gonna do all the crime and shit. I'm not talking about that. (laughs) I'm just talking about the on field. He said once he had that five interception game, he was not right mentally again at the quarterback position. Yeah, I don't think that's a, a a um issue with Lamar. I think he's we gonna see what type of extremely more confident. The, the, if anybody going to get hate mail, it's going to be that damn kicker. I bet you that. He missed a field goal that he shouldn't have missed this year but uh, or that game. But, um, yeah, well, he probably will get too much hate mail because what he's done throughout the year. But um, I just 
I don't think Lamar's gonna have an issue with that. And I don't I don't want the listeners to think that I'm saying, okay, now Lamar Jackson has been in a playoff game. He's definitely gonna learn from it. He's going to be a better quarterback moving forward. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if this is a guy that you're looking to turn your franchise over to, you want to know whether this is your guy or not. So now that he's been thrown into the fire, moving forward next year, he has no excuse. It's like, okay, you've seen it. You've been to the playoffs. You know what your weaknesses are now. Let's see if you become a better quarterback and move forward as being that guy. You, I feel like the Ravens sped up the process. Instead of you having to wait it out, and have him play next year and see this same exact thing happen because I'm pretty positive it would have if they would have waited another year. I don't think Lamar Jackson starting next year and not playing this year would have been a better quarterback than he was this year. I think he has the same growing pains. He has the same turnover problems, same protecting the ball issues that he had this year. So now that he's had an opportunity to get that out the way, now as an organization you can see now, okay, do we want to move forward with him? Is he actually looking at what his weaknesses are and getting better in that aspect? If not, all right. Well, at least we didn't waste two years. Now we know we can draft a quarterback next year or trade and grab at us another quarterback. I feel like this was the best possible thing that could have happened for him. I feel like it just sped up everything. I'm not saying that he's going to be a better quarterback next year. But now he actually doesn't – he does have an excuse now. If he's not a better quarterback next year, you can't blame it on, well, that's my first time actually being out here. and I had never seen those coverages before or I, I wasn't – I didn't protect the ball as well as I should have. That's already out the window. Next year he don't got no excuses. It's time now. It's go time. So like you said, we're going to see what his mental is like. We're going to see if he's able to actually come back and be a better guy next year. But – um. Speaking of uh, organizations and having decisions to make, let's talk about a team that's actually not in the playoffs but has been in the media, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. We've been seeing a lot of back and forth between them and Antonio Brown for the last couple of weeks. Now, for those who don't know, they said that Antonio Brown didn't play in the season finale because he was suspended for, what was it, missing practice, I believe it was, for missing practices. Obviously, us on the outside looking in didn't know that. We assumed, all right, well, he's a little banged up. He's going to rest a little bit and hope that they make it into the playoffs. Well, turns out that that wasn't the case. They had the whole little – excuse me, blowout in the locker room where apparently he said, why don't y'all just trade me then? And now the whole rumor is floating around that he wants to be traded. He doesn't get get along with the guys in the locker room. There's turmoil going on. Big Ben's gone on record saying, I don't don't know. I didn't see anything. I I didn't see nothing that happened. Then you got Tomlin that's saying, no, he didn't formally asked to be traded it was just some words exchanged my question to you is is there a cause for concern with this Antonio Brown situation do are the Pittsburgh Steelers on the brink of losing their two best players within a year span um 
I do think there is some cause for concern, but I don't think that AB asked for a trade. What I think is he was saying, like, okay, y'all um, y'all don't really – I don't know why he was saying it, but what I think he's saying is, well, if y'all don't love my game or whatever, y'all don't, y'all don't like what I do, then why don't you just trade me? Yeah, I think I it was – right, was, yeah. I don't think he was literally saying trade me. I think he was like, well, why don't you just trade me then? Or like, like you would say, to you, like if your mom was yelling at you and she don't like, she was like, you don't love me or whatever. Why don't you just kick me? In? Why don't you just throw me out then? Like you're not telling her to throw you out, but you say right, you might as well. right. Like he basically saying you might as well trade. Yeah, I I took it from that too. I took it from a standpoint as he was upset that he didn't get to play in that season finale. So I felt like it was more of a shoot. You won't, you ain't gonna play me then trade me then. I bet you somebody yeah. else will play me. I think it was more from that standpoint as well. So I I also think that there's cause for concern, mostly because this is your guy. Antonio Brown's your guy. You don't have Le'Veon to lean back on no more. You're not building no franchise around nobody else on your roster. So if anybody needs to be happy, it needs to be A.B. If I'm the Steelers front office, I'm bringing A.B. in right now. Listen, bub. What's going on? Why do you feel like you want to be traded? What can we do to make this better for you? You At this point, you have to pull out all of the stops to make sure that this man is happy. I'm not saying kiss his ass and let him mispractice and this, this, and that, that, because I think Tomlin was actually right for suspending him if he mispracticed. But especially at this time in the season, this uh, it's inexcusable. And that, I just feel like, he he's a guy that you can't lose right now. You cannot lose him. If you lose him, Pittsburgh automatically goes into the rebuilding phase because you got a quarterback that's already on his way out. And I say to that, I mean, if you have a quarterback that's on his way out and you have nothing that looks appealing on the offensive end, you're not getting a quarterback from free agency most likely. You're going to have to draft a quarterback. And what's the chances of you coming up on a gym? I mean, obviously, there's some great quarterbacks coming in next year, but that means you're going to have to have a high draft pick, like a really high draft pick. And, I mean, I don't know. I feel like you, with you having a guy like A.B., that makes it much more appealing for quarterbacks to want to come there. So you've got to have – got to get him under wraps. And then, also, this could speak volumes toward the other players on the roster. This could be an eye-opener. If they lose Antonio Brown – the rest of these players are going to start looking like, shit, do they really care about us? They let Le'Veon walk? A.B. ain't here? I think that's the league-wide standard is that everybody can be replaced. Besides a couple quarterbacks, everybody can be replaced. And I'm not talking about no racial type shit. Yeah, I understand. White quarterbacks. I feel like Russell Wilson is one of those guys as well. They. That can't that teams don't feel like they can replace, but I feel like team, with wide receivers and running backs and pass rushers and all this, yeah, you're great, but they feel like these guys are coming in the six rounders every year. It's a steal, so there, it's not. It, it doesn't seem like how it is in the NBA where you got to hit the one out of five year lottery every time. They feel like every draft, if you scout right, there's draft picks out there. I agree. So they feel like they feel like everybody can be replaced. And and when it comes down to it, the players don't have no leverage because that's how all the, all the owners and coaches think. That's true. 
I I definitely believe that most of the owners and coaches feel that way. But if there were in, if there was any NFL season that made you second guess that as a GM, that would be this year with the way that things change for ball clubs, such as like uh, Chicago. Obviously, we're getting a Khalil Mack and completely yeah, changing their outlook, and then a guy like Amari Cooper going to Dallas and. The drafting lately, yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. But you want to, you definitely want to get this under control before then. You don't want this lingering on because then, I mean, if this lingers on and you feel like, all right, we got AB, he's in the bag, we're still fine, and you don't go out and draft a nice wide receiver or a guy that you think is going to help bolster your offense. I, I personally believe Pittsburgh's going to draft some defensive guys with them. Uh, losing Shazier and all of that, and yeah, they've got Juju, but Juju, I I don't want to take nothing from Juju. Juju is a dog. He not AB, but they don't exactly. Care. They don't care. They, they better they feel like they, they better feel like you can be replaced. They're gonna turn. They're gonna put Juju in AB's place, and they're gonna put somebody in Juju's place. But then look at it from Man. this standpoint. Look at it from this standpoint. You you let a guy like AB walk, and then put Juju in his position. Juju is going to have to come up on that contract year where he can become a free agent or stay in Pittsburgh. If you look at – if you're looking from a standpoint as, shit, I'm that nigga. I can go wherever I want to go. And I'm playing for a squad that just let our two best players go. How do I know they're not going to let me go or trade me somewhere where I'm not even going to be able to earn? They're going to do exactly exactly, and then you put yourself in a position to where now it's free agency time. It's con. It's time to talk your contract. I don't want to talk my contract. I'm gone next year. I'm sorry, but that's what I'm saying. That's my whole point. I don't feel like the NFL teams give a damn when they leave because they feel like they can replace these guys. I'm not saying they can. I'm just saying they feel like they can replace these guys, so they're like, "Bye." I think like, they feel at, that look way. At what they did with, look at what they did with Le'Veon, and no, exactly. they didn't get a, a Le'Veon in return, but they got a good running back. Yeah, that's I I agree with that. So they, but they how many times? Like how many people, times bro? are you going to go through that before you actually realize, or before you start to feel like mm, maybe I can't replace these guys? Like. Maybe they don't want to realize it because they just want to play with guys on rookie contracts. You don't have to pay them as much, and your team could be better. Yeah, I don't see that from. I don't see that being a standard for all teams, especially teams with standards like the Steelers. We're starting to see it play out a lot. Yeah, we are. But a team like the Steelers, they're accustomed to competing. They're accustomed to being that team. I don't think that they. I don't think that they're gonna go. With just being like, all right, we can replace these guys. But back in the day, they actually... hurt the pockets as much as they do now. I mean, it's that's not true. like they got huge contracts, but still. That's true, but your fan base team. ain't trying to hear that. I know your fan base not, but they don't. They say they care about the fans, but that's just so your ass. <laughs> they don't give a damn about you at all. <laughs> they just want you to keep coming. They don't care about you at all. Yeah. At all. I agree. I agree to a certain extent. Bro, you really think Jerry be it keep it a hundred? Jerry Jones is the last person that cares about a fan base, though. Jerry Jones is bro. Do you really believe any of these GMs legitimately care about the fan base? Not as much as the fan base is coming. Not as much as they they should. What you think? Not as much as they should, but I do think they care to a certain extent. I don't. I think they say it to put your ass in that seat. (laughs) All they care about is the bottom line. Period. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. But, um, yeah, man, that's 
like we both said, there is a little bit of cause for concern here in this situation. I feel like you feel like. So, um, I don't know. I'm excited to see what happens with the Steelers moving forward. But uh, let's talk college football, man. This uh, this is a, a pretty exciting topic. Like we talked, we touched on this topic last podcast, but now this is a, uh, mm, I guess more. I guess it went in a different direction than what we said. We actually brought this up, but we both said, no, nah, I don't think that's a good decision. Uh, Justin Fields, he was uh, seen sitting courtside with Urban Meyer and Dwayne Haskins at an Ohio State game. That pretty much is showing that all signs are pointing to him going to Ohio State next year. Do you think he's making the right move and going to Ohio State? I'm not going to sit here and get into if I think it's the right move for him because I don't know what he's been told mm-hmm. or any of that. You know, like, what's the reasons for him going to Ohio State? I mean, it could be family reasons or anything. So I'm not going to get into it if it's the right decision for him. But I'm going to get it. I'm going to say I don't like the decision as as a college football fan. I would have liked to have seen him go somewhere else, maybe Oklahoma yeah. or somewhere. But I don't think he's going to start at Ohio State. See, so yeah, that's that's my biggest thing. I like you said, we we can't say what's the right move for him. But as far as from a, a outsider outsider standpoint, or let's say for his career, yeah, from a career standpoint. I don't think that he made the right decision for a simple fact that he's going to be in the same position that he's in at Georgia. He's fighting for a position when you could just go to a college that you're going to step in, you're going to be that guy, and you're also going to be contending. So I don't think that going to Ohio State is necessarily the best thing for him because not only are you stepping into a situation to where you got to compete with the guy who's been in that offense for three years, go next year, it'll be three years. Um, you're also going into a situation where you're, you're sitting courtside with a guy in urban Meyer, who's not going to be your coach next year. You need to be somewhere chilling with Ryan day, trying to see, all right, coaches, what's like, what's going on? Seeing if, seeing what your what your relationship is with him because we don't know if Tate Martell is really his guy. Like Tate Martell was being recruited. We and Ryan Day had played a huge role in recruiting at the time that Tate Martell was being recruited. So with him being an offensive coordinator, it's like all right, I, that's the guy that I want. I want to go out and get him. You went out and got him, and you haven't gotten the opportunity to actually see what he can do with your offense out there. I'm on the side of just like you are. I don't believe he's going to start next year. I think Tate Martell has that offense and is going to be ready to go next year. Not to say that he's not a better quarterback than Tate Martell or he won't have more success than Tate Martell, but – I mean, it's this, the odds are stacked against you going to Ohio State with a guy who knows this offense like the back of his hand, knows his players like the back of his hand. You better believe his players are going to be pushing for him to become the, Bro, the starting quarterback. I think Tate flat out better do you? than Justin Fields. I do. I believe that he's an equal thrower, and although, and although Justin Fields can run the football, 
Tate Martell is a dynamic he's runner. Dangerous. In he's a dangerous he's, runner. He's Kyler Murray. He's Johnny Football. He's that type of runner. Yeah. He's not he's not just a, a get a first down a type of runner. He can bust that yeah, thing this, open. This a guy that'll go for eighty yeah. when you on a on a run. I think I think he's tailor made to play quarterback at Ohio State. I don't think there's any way that Justin Fields beats him out. Now, if he does, I'll admit I was wrong, but I just don't see it happening. I don't see it happening either. I think the only way that we see it happen is that Ryan Day, being the head coach, decides to take this offense in a different direction and make it a complete spread offense without it being a zone read style offense. And yeah. I don't see that happening with the running backs that Ohio State has. Obviously, Mike Weber has entered the NFL draft and he won't be there next year, but you still got a guy like J.K. Dobbins that you're not going to go away from. Like, you're not going to spread it out because he's not – he's a good catcher, but he's not dynamic catching the ball out of the backfield. So, I don't see them changing that offensive scheme very much. I think that you have the exact type of personnel to run that Ohio State type of offense. Like, this year, obviously, I feel like they had to switch it up because Dwayne Haskins can't be that guy. Next year, they've got two quarterbacks that can be that guy, so I feel like that's the direction that they'll go in. And once they do go in that direction, Tate is obviously the better guy as far as that offensive scheme is concerned. I just Like you said, he's much more dynamic of a runner. The only thing that Justin Fields has on Tate Martell is height, and we've seen in college that that does not matter at all. So, yeah, I I don't really like the – I don't like the move for his career. Even as an Ohio State fan, I don't really like it too much because I feel like that's going to cause a lot of turmoil. I really don't think that he's going to get that job, and I don't want him coming to the program and being a, I done came down here and transferred down here, and now I ain't even playing. It'd just be a whole bunch of nonsense going on. That's the last thing we need with the new head coach. We don't know how he's going to handle none of that. So, yeah, like we both said, we don't think that that was the best decision that he should have made, but I guess we'll see. It hasn't even been officially said that he's going to Ohio State, but all signs are pointing to it. So we'll be we'll keep an eye on out on that for I guess uh for the next few weeks or so. But um let's talk about another program in Notre Dame. We saw Notre Dame go up against a Clemson ball club. And I mean, let's just call it what it is. Notre Dame didn't look like they belonged on that field with them at all. Do you think that Notre Dame actually deserved to be in the playoff? I mean, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think Georgia was better, mm-hmm. but Georgia didn't necessarily prove that they were. You still got to kind of prove it. I can't say Notre Dame didn't belong. I would have rather have seen Georgia in there, but Notre Dame did everything to get into that playoff. It's not like they underachieved and got in. Yeah, I I think a lot of people were upset at them going undefeated and them getting to the playoffs and looking like that. I don't want to say that they don't deserve to make the playoff because if you go undefeated and you beat power five schools, you're going to get in. Like it's just going to happen. That's how this, excuse me, this playoff system is set up. But as a fan of college football, I would like to see the, I guess the NCAA force them into playing a conference championship. For instance, they already have this um, negotiation with um, with the ACC 
that they play a certain amount of ACC teams throughout the season. I would like to see them move a step further and being that if they – exactly, if they have a better record than the top teams in the ACC, whether it be in the Coastal Division or the other division, either side, if they have a better record than the number one rated team in that particular division – they should be able to get into the conference championship for this particular reason. This year, Clemson, I mean, we saw Clemson and Notre Dame in the uh, whatchamacallit, in the uh, in the playoffs. And we could have seen and we could have saw it as an ACC championship because who did they even play in championship in the ACC championship? Pittsburgh. Pitt. Yeah, they played Pitt. So come on, Notre Dame is way better than a than a Pitt team. So we, I would have much rather liked to see them. All right, well, your record's better than Pitt. You're ranked, you're ranked higher than Pitt. You play Pitt. You take Pitt's slot, and you automatically get into that ACC championship. And I'm not even saying make them join the conference. I'm saying that if they're head and shoulders better than a team, if their record is better than that team, make them play in the ACC championship. Then we'll move forward that way. But if it comes to a point in time where y'all's record is the same, then I, that ACC team wins by a push. They automatically get in, get into the ACC championship, and that is just like not making a championship. It's just like just just like not making a conference championship. It doesn't go in your favor because you don't get to play this week. It goes against you. It's just like you're not in a conference championship because their record was equal to or better than yours. I would like to see that. Because if not, there's I mean, there's a chance that we'll see this occur again. And this is not the first time that we've seen a Notre Dame team be highly ranked and then go to their bowl game and get throttled. Like we saw it when they went to the national championship against Bama. We saw it a couple of years ago when they played Ohio State, and I believe it was the Fiesta Bowl when they had Jalen Smith. I mean, we've seen this occur far too many times for something not to happen. I'm not saying it needs to happen this year, but it needs to happen soon because we can't keep going through teams making it in and not being worthy. Like it just they, they really display that they are not on the level of any of these top four teams. They couldn't score. They could not score at all. So I, I don't know. I, I think that I would have liked to see them not in a playoff. But I mean they went undefeated, so not really much we could say there, but um, now let's talk about the playoffs, the actual national championship that we'll see. Um, Bama Clemson, what's your expectations, and what do you think Clemson has to do in order to beat Bama? I think Clemson gonna have to keep pressure on Tua, um, and they're gonna also we're gonna have to contain him mm-hmm. while getting the pressure on him. I agree. It, it's gonna be tough. I don't. I think it's gonna be a good game, but I got Bama winning by like four or five points, probably. I got Bama by a touchdown and maybe even a little more. I don't really think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a close game because it's a national championship game, and but I don't think Clemson is gonna look like they can play with the Bama. I don't. I don't think that they. I personally don't think they belong on the field with Bama. I think Bama's just that much better than them. But as far as them being able to compete with Bama, to me, the biggest thing that needs to happen, 
Yeah, they need to contain Tua. Excuse me. Yes, they need to pressure him. But more than anything, they have to control the line of scrimmage and not allow Alabama to run the ball crazy. If Alabama can hand the ball off to their running back and get four or five a pop, they're going to win that ball game. You have to make it to where you put Alabama in noticeable passing downs. And that's not to say that Alabama won't convert because, I mean, they have two of but you you want you take your chances of putting them in third and longs as opposed to having them in third and short. You have them in third and short, they're going to they're, they're going to get the first down. They're just they execute. So I think that they're going to have to find a way to not necessarily stop Alabama's run game, but they're going to have to limit the success of it. And with them having that defensive front that they have, and how everybody's saying, oh, they got the best defensive line in the nation, and it's that much better than everybody else's. I don't dispute that at all, but this is the game where you have to show it. You have to show that that front seven is the best in the league because if you don't, then it's going to be a blowout. If that if that D, if that offensive front don't show out, then they don't have a chance. Fact, fact. If that if like, their oh. if their D line doesn't show up, <laughs> they're gonna see just what Bama is all about. But um. Yeah, man, that, that that pretty much does it as far as the uh, the topics are concerned. So let's get into our pickums real quick. Uh, we'll do all playoff games. Um, I guess we'll start off with tomorrow's game, Clemson Bama. Who? What's your what's your score? Uh, I got Bama thirty five thirty. Mm, that's not bad. I got Bama mm, thirty five twenty four. I don't think Clemson can score 30-plus on Bama or 24. I don't think they can score more than 24 points on Bama. Um, yeah, I'll go Bama, 35-24. Um, Cowboys and Rams, who you got? What's your score? I got the Rams, 33-20. Uh, to 20. Mm. I got the Cowboys, um, 28-17. Um, Eagles Saints, who you got? What's your score? Mm. Give me the Eagles. Ooh. Um, 27 24. Mm. Uh, give me the Saints. Um, 31 21. Colts Chiefs, who you got? What's your score? Give me the Colts, uh, twenty four, twenty one. That's a that's a decent score. Um, give me, give me the Chiefs. Um, what was your score? Uh, Chiefs, Chargers, Patriots. Who you got? What's your score? Give me the Pats. Um twenty-eight-twenty-one. I like that. I'm going Patriots as well. Um, I actually don't think it's gonna be that high scoring of a game. I'm gonna go uh twenty-one seventeen Patriots. I think um I think it'll be a pretty good game defensively. But um yeah, man, that pretty much does it. Uh was there anything you want to say to the listeners before we get out of here? 
Uh, no, that's that's it. All right, man. I definitely want to say. Uh, I hope y'all all had a, a wonderful holiday. But I also want to say, we appreciate all of the feedback and all of the um, all of the interactions that we're getting. But if you are our listener and you either follow us on Facebook um, or whatever the case may be, we need you to follow our Instagram page. That's pick and roll podcast. That's P-I-C letter N-R-O-L-L podcast. All together, no underscores, no nothings, no numbers. Follow us on uh, Instagram because we get a lot of feedback on Facebook, but we don't get as much interaction on Instagram as we need. Also, if you are looking for any advertising slots, we are now open for those. As you listen to this episode, you will hear that we do uh, have multiple slots where we can include advertising. We'll give you a wonderful deal, regardless of if it's past the holidays or not. We'll make sure we give you a good deal. But uh, if you were looking to advertise anything, it doesn't just have to be sports sports related. We're definitely open to doing that. So hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on Instagram, let us know. Um, hit us up on Twitter, even either uh, as well. You can even hit us up on there. Just let us know what you want to advertise and what you want to be said, and we'll make sure that we get you get you locked into a great deal. But uh, as far as this episode goes, that wraps it up, man. Signing out. It's your boy Ish. And it's your boy Sam. We appreciate y'all. Y'all.